On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're continuing our NBA Draft Profile Series, this time talking about the hottest name on the market right now for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Bilal Kulabale. Is he the right pick? Do the Thunder have too many projects? Did he get a draft day promise? We'll talk about it all coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. we're diving into another prospect profile and projection this time. It's Bilal Kulabale talking about his potential draft day promise, the impact he could have at the next level, what the value is at 12, and have the Thunder taken on too many projects? We'll answer all that on today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can get a th- up to 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code LOCKDOWN. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. So, here it is, the report that Bilal Kulubale has himself a promise from a team inside the top 14. That immediately raises the red flag. Really, anytime somebody pulls out of the combine, anytime somebody reports a draft promise, people always target the Oklahoma City Thunder. But when you look at the top 14 and you think about who makes sense structurally, who makes sense stereotypically of what they typically go for in prospects, you come away with two names. In my opinion, it's the Thunder and the Raptors that make the most sense. I would only include the Magic in this because the Magic have two picks in that range. But the Thunder and the Raptors are the ones that make the most sense if you look at what they've typically gone for and teams that would typically make this kind of move. And so anytime that there's a draft promise, there's heavy smoke screen, there's anything scuttlebutt-related to Oklahoma City, draft or not, but specifically the draft, people always get out their swords. They take to Twitter and they're just like, you know... The Thunder are top secret. They're zigging when everybody's zagging. They're leaking this on purpose or they never leak. And this is just totally made up. And this is just ridiculous. And then there's some that get super excited and think it's already happened and either are excited that's going to happen or are already devastated that's going to happen. So let's take a look at the Thunder and their history with with this stuff. Because the truth is oftentimes in the middle. So for everyone who is just adamant that the Thunder have never leaked anything. They have never, you know, revealed their hand too soon. They've never, you know, put anything out there or or had anything come out there that they didn't want to. Here's the list of heavy smoke screen slash promises that did come true. Cameron Payne, Mitch McGarry, Reggie Jackson, Pokashevsky. Those were telegraphed draft picks by the Thunder. So much so that the Mavericks used that as leverage and I think, in in my opinion, baited the Thunder into trading up for Poku because they threw out there, hey, we might take Poku. Knowing that they probably wouldn't. I doubt that the Mavericks are really going to take Poku. 
So that's four instances. That's four instances where the Thunder have leaked something, or you know, not them themselves leaking it, but something has leaked about the Thunder that ended up being true. Now, there are a lot of instances where it's not been true. Matisse Thibel, James Booknight, Caleb Houston, Frank Jackson, Daniel Orton, Jabari Smith. So the count is six to four, just off the top of my head, of, of, of smoke screens and promises that did not come true versus did. And I'd really consider it five to four because we never really found out about the Jabari Smith thing until his dad said it in an interview um, at the all-star break. So we didn't really get that scuttlebutt pre-draft to, to buy into it or not. But I, I do believe the validity of it, that they were somehow under that impression just because Chris, uh, Chris Haynes also tweeted out as soon as Paulo was the picket one that the Thunder were taking Jabari and had to delete the tweet. So like, I think that that was the assumption by Jabari's camp for whatever the reason, but it was never, it was never true because they always targeted a Chet there. Nonetheless, though, the count is five to four. So like for all of this grandstanding that people do one way or the other, like if the Thunder are super top secret or if the Thunder never leak anything, the count's five to four of like things that we've known before the draft that came true versus things that didn't. We also knew last year before the draft, hey, the Thunder really liked Chet Holmgren. To, to, to kind of put it, you know, blatantly, to peel the curtain back a little bit, you want to know how a 30-minute podcast on Chet Holmgren went up the second that he was announced as the draft pick? Because I recorded it at home before I left for the facility to watch the draft. We knew it was going to be Chet Holmgren. So, uh, you know, again, you, if you want to include that, which technically was never a promise or even reported as a promise, if you want to include that, there was like a pick that we all knew was coming as long as Orlando didn't draft him, uh, it would even be 5-5. Five to five. So it's not as though the Thunder are super top secret about everything where you're like, they never get compromised. But they are a more secretive organization in general. They don't release their draft prospects, whereas teams like Indiana do. And uh, teams like, you know, uh, you know, Portland and Indiana, and these teams let their media even interview these prospects at their, at their, at their uh, private workouts, which I think is ridiculous. I, I would not do that if I was running a team myself. But the Thunder are on the more secretive side than any other organization. But it's not a blanket catch-all statement to say, hey, this stuff never leaks from the Thunder. It does. It has before. I think that Kalabale fits with Oklahoma City. I think that um, this late-in-the-process riser with the tools that Kalabale has, it makes sense for Sam to go that direction. But with that being said, I wouldn't just say, hey, the search is over. It's going to be Kulabale. I, I wouldn't do that. I would I would continue to do your due diligence on every player that you're interested in hearing about and continue to listen to this podcast as we break them all down. But that is kind of just for the crowd of like, oh, since it's leaked, since it's leaked, it's never going to happen. Same thing with whenever you, I see this all the time in the comments, like, oh, this player posted the Thunder workout on social media. Therefore, he's not going to get drafted by the Thunder. That stuff is all about a player and agent's preference. Like the Thunder themselves do not tell us and do not post who they've worked out. But aside from that, agents can tell you stuff. Players themselves can post stuff. Whenever we talk to these players about a week or two before the draft um, on the NBA orchestrated media availabilities, they either like to tell us or not to tell us. Like last year, for example, just a quick one, J-Dub flat out said, yeah, I worked out for the Thunder. Not only did he say that, he said that Sam Presti was there. He said that the Thunder were one of the first teams to show interest in him in general. Uh, Like he gave us a lot of info last year before the draft and the Thunder still took him because they like him. It's like, for example, Grady Dick this this weekend said he worked out for the Thunder. That was not some secret test that the Thunder or some masterminds and put out these secret tests for people. That's not the case. 
they like a guy, they're going to draft a guy, no matter what they do on social media, pretty much. And in that realm of things, I should say. So the next layer of this, as we continue to peel back the onion before we get to the draft profile, the Thunder have too many projects. Folks, the Thunder do not have too many of anything. Who are these projects? I will grant you Usman Jang. I will grant you him as a player who is a project in the sense of, you know, you want to get him developmental minutes. You want to, you want to work him in um, and, and find ways at the G League level, at the NBA level to, to have him continue to grow and develop. I will grant you that one. But besides Usman Jang, who are these prospect projects the Thunder have on their roster? Who are you projectively developing? You want to throw out Poku. Poku is an impending free agent. He's a, he's a restricted free agent after this season's over with. You want to throw out Trey Mann. Trey Mann has a team option that has not been picked up yet for, for not this season, but next season. And the Thunder are a team that runs a rotation 10 to 12 players deep and heavily invest in the G League. So because of one project, they could not afford to take on Kulabale. And I think that we're not understanding and reading into this the right way as a, as a collective Thunder community here. If the Thunder truly did promise Kulabale and draft Kulabale, if this truly comes to flourishing, that is a signal that, hey, he has jumped the line. You invest the 12th overall pick in a guy, yeah, he's jumped Trey Mann. Yeah, he's jumped Pokashevsky. And if those two guys show out in training camp and, and, and somehow just pop onto the scene this year, that's great. That's gravy on top of the Sunday, but they've jumped. He's, he's jumped the line. The only one he might not have jumped would be Usman Jang. So, so at that point, if you were to seriously draft Kulabale, were to seriously have him on the roster, you'd have two project players. For a team that plays 10 to 12 guys every single game and is going to heavily invest in the G League and, and, and openly admits that the G League is part of their developmental path for every draft pick. There's only been a few guys who have skipped out on the G League on this roster when you look at it up and down. And then one last thing before we get into his overall draft profile. I think that we lose track of the value of pick 12. Yes, the Thunder need rebounding help. The Thunder need shooting help. Uh, and many people would want them to get size with a mixture of beef and length and, 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 and just pure height. I get all that. This is draft number three for the Thunder that has not taken place yet. So only two drafts have taken place. This is going to be the third draft. The Thunder still have a war chest of draft picks. They have top five in the league in cap space, which I'm not saying that they're going to go big fish hunting and free agency, but Sam Presti typically does not let resources go to waste. I would not be shocked if they brought in some bad contract money to gain assets, whether that be a, a, a prospect in return or future draft assets, whatever that may entail. I would imagine he'll use at least some of that cap space to figure out a way to circumvent himself another asset. They are still building out this roster. It takes time. So in your third draft of this cycle, to draft purely for fit or purely for need, I think is, is cutting your nose to spite your face. You need a healthy balance of that. Now, there are guys who, like, if you trade up, as, as was the initial report a week ago, that the Thunder were looking to trade up, as they always do and have, have made a draft they trade every draft since 2019, if you trade up, I think that you can get some of those guys like Grady Dick can fill that shooting need. Uh, Drees Walker 
Taylor Hendricks, like the names that you all have clamored for. And we've talked on this podcast about and done draft profiles on who, who I think would perfectly, not only perfectly fit Oklahoma city, but also provide them the value and upside that you would want in your lottery pick. But as we discussed yesterday, as we dash to the draft and have a podcast literally every single day uh, through the draft with Derek Lively, just because Derek Lively is a tall traditional center doesn't mean he fits needs a, but also doesn't bring the value and maximize the asset of pick 12, which ties it all the way back to the beginning. This Thunder roster does not have too much of anything. They don't have too many guards. They don't have too many projects. They don't have too many wings. They don't have too many of anything. They have four irreplaceable players, and then they have a roster of varying degrees of talent that you can improve upon for a team that finished under 500 last year. For as significant as the jump was in win total, for as fantastic as that ride was this season, they finished under 500, and they're still flushing out a roster in year number three of this rebuild. So with all of that being said, I think that that will make, the reason I did this, that will make the rest of this draft profile on uh, Balak Ulubale a little more palatable for people. Whenever you put it into that context or that perspective. Coming up, though, we'll talk about the draft profiles. Right now, we're going to tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is fantastic, folks. Prize Picks is where you want to be. It makes watching games so much better to me, more fun to me. What you do is you pick two to six players and you project and guess will they score more or less than their prize pick projections. And if you're right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other players. It's just you versus those projections. Prize Picks offers projections on sports that you watch, no matter what they are. NBA for the finals, uh, NFL when it returns, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, men and women's college basketball even, WNBA going on right now, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, disc, disc golf, boxing, Eurobasket, cricket, and more. So it's great. And you can enhance your viewing experience for the Stanley Cup Finals, for the NBA Finals, and just for a random baseball game tonight. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. And it's operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com and sign up today to get your incredible dose of prize picks. Whenever you go there and, and sign up today using the code Locked On, you'll get 100% deposit match up to $100 with the code Locked On. It's 100% deposit match up to $100. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're talking to you about the potential uh, draft promise and draft prospect of Balai Kulabale, who has varying listed heights, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 uh, Let's go with 6'7", uh, just for fun. The weight has been also varying because he did not do measurable test of combine. So let's go with 190 has been what Draft Express has used. So I'll just use Draft Express 190. A wingspan has been something that has been referred to excellently of like a 7'3 wingspan, which is incredible. 18 years old, plays for the Mets 92, same as Victor. He is this high-level defender who has great upside on the defensive end, is a great cutter, is a great athlete, and I think is getting undersold a bit as a shooter. So the immediate strength that pops out is his frame and wingspan. 
at 18 years old, when you have that frame and ability to, to fill out that frame as you progress and develop and get older, plus you mix that with his elite motor, his elite effort, you blend that together and he can be one of the best defenders in this league. Like just flat out simple. He already has that motor. He already has that effort level. He's already producing on the defensive end at 18 against professionals overseas. As you continue to progress him and put him in systems such as Oklahoma City, who has gotten significantly better team defensively each year under Mark and stresses defense and has great defensive coaches like Cam Woods, who's in the G League and, and coaching the Blue and will have his hands on him as well. It just bodes so well for his defensive upside. I think what also bodes well is when you talk about that frame and wingspan, at 18 years old, he's playing you know, professional, he's playing playoff basketball, and he's not getting bullied. These grown men are not bullying him. And he's not shying away or getting scared. He is mixing it up in the trees. He is he is going nose to the grindstone in there in these games. And, and, and the lights are not too bright for him. At each passing stage, from, from moving league to league, from moving up minutes, from moving up you know, the, the progression of the season, from going to the playoffs, it's never too bright for him at 18 years old, which is just fascinating. He is this fast twitch, explosive, bouncy athlete that the Thunder love and, and, and NBA teams love. And here we go with the shooting. I am really high on his shooting. 39% on catch and shoot, 38% on long threes. If that continues to track, along with his ability to cut and score at the rim, he becomes a true off-ball offensive weapon that provides you space, that, that is able to take advantage of the defense. And oh yeah, as we always have to throw in with these with these draft profiles, and I and I am remiss for not mentioning it yesterday, it got away from me. Uh, Going to work with Chip England. It was one of the best uh, shooting coaches ever. Take a drink, as I mentioned, Chip England. Uh, but love his shooting. And I think that this is the part of his game that is being underrated the most about Kulabale. I think he's a great finisher. He's a, he's a knowledgeable and savvy cutter to exploit the defense. You know me. I'm a handsman. All right? I evaluate these guys' hands. I want to see do they piddle away and bobble away passes or do they have stone hands or soft hands or what? I, I like his hands. Good hands on Kulabale. An impressive part of his game also, and I keep referring to him being 18. This will be a theme if he gets trapped in Oklahoma City. But he understands his role and others' roles. Like the ball doesn't stick to him. He doesn't ever get caught in a position where he looks like a deer in headlights. Like he understands how to keep the offense in rhythm, uh, where the ball should go next, where he should go next on relocation, how to direct players, you know, in, in the sense of like, you hear this a lot of time in football, but like a, a pass that leads you to the open part of the field. He does a good job of like leading players with passes to the open court. And again, him, he himself does a good job of like relocating by himself to, to figure out a way to find some open lanes and some open areas on the floor. But Understanding how to be a part of a team and play within a team construct is encouraging. He has gotten better at each stop in each league, each year, each month, each week, each day. The fact that he has progressed at such a, a high level and has not plateaued or taken a step back or needed time to adjust, like that in and of itself is a massive plus. He's a heads-up playmaker. I don't think that he's like a otherworldly playmaker. He would be that, that keyword of connective playmaker, if you will. Off-ball. 
understands when and how to gamble in the passing lanes without overcommitting, without getting beat a ton, without, you know, putting himself in a position where he couldn't recover. So I love that about him. He fights through screens in an unreal level. And he slides and sticks with his matchup. You cannot undersell just how good he could be on the defensive end. The weakness to his game, as of this moment, he's 18, but as of this moment, I don't think that he can create for himself. I, I don't think that you can run isolation with him. I don't think that you can uh, ask him to do anything except for just barrel his way to the basket and hope for the best. I don't. I, I do not like his handle. Hopefully, it gets better. But we've seen with a guy like Jalen Brown, where like he has all these other tools, but can't dribble, and how that that hurts him and hurts the team. But he can't dribble, can't create for himself. He would have to try to unlock that at the next level. But that's like the glaring weakness for for me. Because again, I like his shot a lot more than people do. I, I like the mechanics. I like the the results. I like everything that he does shooting the basketball. So for me, then the glaring negative and and the negative is his ability to create for himself. And if you can't create for yourself, it's harder to create for others, obviously. But the more people have to pay attention to you on ball, the less they're paying attention to your teammates to where they get open and you can find them and bada bing, bada boom, all of a sudden you're scoring, all of a sudden you're you're finding success. So as I list all this off, it's hard not to get excited about Globale's potential. And it's easy to see how he's rising. He's teammates with Victor. They're playing playoff basketball at this current moment. So it is that, it is that adrenaline rush of I'm just now watching brand new games of him and being enlightened by his game every single day. And, and we don't have time to sit back and pick it apart. It's just like, it's, we're ready to go. Uh, that plays a part in it too. Teammates with Victor. Victor says he should go top 10 for whatever that's worth. He's 18 years old playing the playoffs and helping them win playoff games. Astonishing. Multiple teams really like him. And, and, and if you go back and listen to the last Monday's show, Raphael told us that his developmental path is, is unbelievable. It is unbelievable how much better he looks year to year, month by month, etc. He had some great stories, Raphael did, uh, last week. So go back and listen to that, as well as a story about Gigi Jackson, but some great stories about uh, Koulibaly. Let's dive into these synergy numbers for Koulibaly. 72nd percentile in overall offense, 70th percentile in half-court offense, 50th percentile in transition offense, uh, 65th percentile on spot-up uh, offense. He shot 37% on spot-up. Uh, 57th percentile on cuts. 98th percentile uh, as a put-back rebounder. He has 13 put-back rebounds uh, where he scores on them already. Uh, 39% on catch-and-shoot. 45% on unguarded catch-and-shoot. So you can sag off him. You can leave him. He'll make you pay. 67% at the rim, which is in the 80th percentile in that league. On long threes, which is 50 attempts, like it's 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 not exactly a tiny, tiny, tiny sample size for long threes. 50 attempts, 38%. 77th percentile in overall defense, 77th percentile in half-court offense, 79th percentile as a uh, pick-and-roll defender whenever he's defending the pick-and-roll ball handler, 79th percentile uh, defending spot-ups, 50th percentile defending isolation, 65th percentile defending handoffs. For his size, he's a quality rim protector because he's bouncy and, and he can rotate well, but obviously, you know, uh, the wingspan helps and, and you obviously do not want him as a rim protector in general, but, you know, if he gets put in a position where he has to be, uh, he's all right. He's a quality rim protector. And then when defending catch-and-shoot shooters, he holds them to 28%. It, it is just unbelievable what he's able to do at 18 years old in a professional league. Coming up, let's talk about where the projections have him 
how far he's going to rise in these projections as new ones come out and how he fits with the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter uh, at LL Thunderpod. For you everydayers, subscribe on YouTube and anywhere else. Get your podcast from becoming every everydayer. If you listen every single day, tomorrow we're going to talk about Ryan Repair. We're also going to talk with Thunder Chats um, just about the draft in general. He has a podcast, Topic Thunder. You've seen him on Twitter as well. Uh, and then throughout the week, it's your show. We're doing a podcast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the way through the draft. So you let me know what prospect you want to hear about next. So Kulubale's availability. I want to stress, as we sit less than three weeks away from the draft, I would imagine we're going to get updated mock drafts and big boards sooner than later from all these all these platforms. So these are the outdated versions, and this is where he ranks in the outdated versions. The Ringer has him at 15, ESPN at 21, The Athletic at 24, Bleacher Report at 19, CBS at 27, NBC does not even have him in the top 30, uh, DraftNet 14, Tankathon 24, My Big Board 13, uh, Mavs Draft Big Board, which again is going to get updated in, in a little bit, uh, 26th. So take that for what it's worth, but again, not worth too much because these are going to be uh, fresh in the coming weeks. And, and if I had to guess, like Tuesday, these would be fresh. Uh, the ceiling and floor. The ceiling to me, like, okay, the tippity, tippity, top, 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 0.1% ceiling to me would be Jalen Brown, which he's not going to get there. Uh, players just typically do not get there. Players typically do not get to their, their absolute peak ceiling. Some do. Maybe he can be one of those players that do, but typically they don't. So besides that, what is the ceiling? To me, a ceiling is still very high. It, it is this borderline all-star who is a fixture of a starting lineup that is championship level. He plays a huge part in the championship team, and he is every smart guy's all-star. The floor for him, I think, is equally fascinating. I think that the floor for Kulabale is this fantastic role player. That that maybe he starts as a role player on a on a winning team, and then losing teams are like, oh my goodness, we got to get this guy, and he never and he and he never kind of uh, looks the same because he's meant to be as a complementary piece for a a good team versus a primary piece for a bad team. So I see that as in like, look, you can be a role player where he is just a swing starter, provides defense, provides intensity, a scoring dynamic to your team, especially in a pinch. Like that to me is his floor, where he is just a beautiful compliment to your roster. And when you factor in what the upside is and you factor in what the floor is, that is an immense value at pick 12, in my opinion. Uh, an NBA comp I like that's not um, Jalen Brown would be like OG and an OB. So, good player. Really good player. What is his future with the Thunder? I think that the future with the Thunder is you would hope that you develop him and, 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 and nurture him into this starting level player where he, you know, he eventually can become what I said, you know, a, a, a fixture of a starting rotation that, that goes and wins a lot of games. Rotational fit, like right the second as a next year would be ninth or 10th man in your rotation, spends a, a lot of time with the G League, uh, exploring what he can do and, and, and putting him in positions where, you know, for example, needs to work on his ball handling, handling needs to work on his creation. You don't want him doing that in the, in the NBA. You just don't do that in the G league. So like he goes there and does that, uh, uses summer league for that. I'm sure as well. 
Um, I think that he can play in the postseason. Like I, you're seeing it right now, him playing in the postseason overseas. I think he can play in the postseason, like in the NBA, and and have a good dynamic. As a note, Lindy Waters also played in the postseason, uh, so th- that's not exactly a, a a sentiment that like should mean a ton. Uh, but I, I I do not view him in the way that the initial dialogue was, and I think that that's been fixed now. Uh, I really do. But the initial dialogue was like, oh, this guy can't play for two years. Like, no, he, he's going to play right away, and he's going to be a guy uh, that, that that you really enjoy seeing in year one. And I think that part of the, the bad rap that he's gotten has been uh, the, the rap about Oos, which we forget, you know, Usman was playing good basketball, his best game before that second uh, wrist injury, which is not related to the first. Um, and, and, and he was going to have a spot in the rotation last year, but he got hurt and things change. So if he never got hurt, like we would have been viewing him, uh, in my opinion, totally differently than how we view him right now. He did show enough flashes last year to still make you encouraged with what Usman can be um, in the future. And if you listen to this podcast, we've been telling you about Kulabale. Uh, our first pod on Kulabale was April 25th, with Mavs draft. Of course, last week we talked with Rafael Barlow about Kulabale as well. Uh, he's exciting. He's really exciting. Roster impact for him. Eventually, like this would signal, hey, Bari and otherworldly performance from them this year. Man, Poku, their days are numbered and gone. Uh, in terms of like what would happen this summer, Lindy Waters would be on the hot seat a bit. Now, I think he's having a great offseason. I hope he is as well. Um, but it's just the nature of the business. Like he, whenever you need roster spots, sometimes and most times it comes down to who's the easiest to move on from mechanically. And you don't get any easier than just declining an option. So th- that's just tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. That is, uh, that's brutal for like the hometown kid, but that's oftentimes how it goes. So I'd watch out for that if, if Kulabali was a selection. So why the Thunder should take him? If you believe that in your environment, in your structure, with your coaching, with your patience, with your everything, that he can turn into this OG this Aaron Wiggins, like this type where, I mean, uh, Andrew Wiggins, this like type where he might make an all-star game, but like, forget about that. Just like the, the role he plays is a functional uh, high level starter who, who glues your team together and helps you win and helps you get over the hump. Got to do it. Like you, you just have to, why the Thunder shouldn't take him. Look, here it is. The Thunder should not take, take Kulabale if there's a chance that they can trade up. Like if you have on the table option a, is trading up and getting Grady Dick, Jerese Walker, or Taylor Hendricks, and option B is staying put and getting Kulabale, you take option A. The thing is, with draft day trades, it takes two to tango. Like, like you can't turn on force trades like you can in 2K. Option A might not be there. If option A is there, though, you do want Grady Dick, you do want Jerese Walker, you do want Taylor Hendricks, who provides you that upside while filling an immediate need right now. It's the best of both worlds, like Hannah Montana, when you do Grady Dick, Jerese Walker, Taylor Hendricks. Uh, another reason to not take them would be like, just like Leonard Miller more, which is fine. Or, you know, or, or any player like Leonard Miller. Personally, I'm a Leonard Miller man. You know that. Um, but you know, that would be like another reason to not take him. Like there's, there's no knock on Koulibaly for why you shouldn't take Koulibaly. It's just like, if you're there at 12, he's a really good option, but if you can move up and get a better prospect, so be it. And, and here's another thing too. When you talk about trading up, like, Every year, there's a draft day surprise. Every year, there's something that happens that throws the board off, that everything we thought we knew about the draft, we didn't know. 
and somebody slips to a way lower pick than we projected. So keep that in mind too. We're like, there might be an opportunity where at pick 12, an unbelievable name is on there that you can't pass up. So it's interesting. It's interesting to think about and uh, and what we're going to do here. I will say as a caveat at the very end, for everyone who is like watching Koulibaly today because you're like, oh goodness, they've promised him it's go time. And then you're going to start to see him climb up in these big boards and, and mock drafts to, to kind of have the market correction uh, for a lot of those names that we listed off in the availability category. Um, that don't go too crazy. Like I like Koulibaly. I am more sold on him than not. I am more sold on him than a lot of people in the Thunder you know, community. Uh, it's not going to get to a point where you got to trade up for him. It's not going to get to a point where like, uh, you've got to sell your soul to go get him. If by somehow he is off the board by pick 12, you just take whoever you got lucky that fell to you. So like, don't have yourself into a tizzy of like, oh, now we've got to trade up for him. The secret's out. And now to get him, we got to trade up for our guy, which did happen with Poku. But uh, I don't think will happen with Kulabali. I, I don't. I think that 12 would be um, a, a good spot for him and a reasonable spot for him. And, he, and he'd be good on the Thunder. I just don't buy this whole notion that came out Sunday of like, maybe, maybe this playoff performance makes it to where you got to trade up for him. That kind of be a kind of be a good scenario if he does somehow go above twelve. But let me know what you think in the comments down below after listening to this podcast. If you've made it to the thirty-three minute mark, do you still think that the Thunder shouldn't draft him? Do you still think that the Thunder have too many projects? Do you still think that the Thunder, you know, cannot use them? Let me know if I've sold you on Kulabale or not. So until tomorrow, when we talk Ryan Repair, the original draft darling of Sam Presti's eye, according to many, be good and be good to one another.